No, that's way past 10 seconds. No, that's long. That was really long. <laughs> I zoned out. <laughs> I could actually kind of hear their TV. <laughs> yeah, it's loud, isn't it? I told you. It is loud, I like, yeah. Rrr, rrr, I was like, rrr, I think, rrr. yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about in my 10 seconds. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media with your friends who don't know what you're talking about. Yay! So, for our first full episode of the new year, Danielle, I thought I would share something. Well, I thought I'd share something. We'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it is this time, so this is very exciting. Yes, I'm going to be sharing with you the 1999 film. So this is a turn of the millennium thing. The 13th Warrior. Okay, I've heard of that, but I I have not seen it, no. (laughs) That's good. Well, I mean, that's sort of the whole point, Danielle. If you had seen it, I wouldn't be doing it on the show. Well, how do you know? You hadn't asked. (laughs) I definitely asked that already. I asked it of you a couple... Yeah, you don't remember it because you don't remember anything I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. I'm I'm relatively good with conversation, just not recaps, apparently. That's fine. I definitely checked in with you on this one. I'm glad because I still haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, well, you, you might not after this. Who knows? So anyway, 13th Warrior is a movie based on a Michael Crichton book. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, that's guaranteed to be good. Well, I mean, the book's probably good. I I like Michael Crichton. I like that his book to movie adaptations span the gamut of the absolutely, you know, stone cold classics like Jurassic Park Mm -hmm. to the absolute, like, not great stuff. I just love that he has that sort of breath to his work is the 13th warrior one of the not great stuff (laughs) we're gonna find out danielle (laughs) excellent looking forward to this unrelated maybe but michael Crichton is uncredited but did direct this movie kind of like he was a co-director but was uncredited it's weird but he definitely had a hand in the making of this movie directly so did he choose to be uncredited after it was made and then he was like what no <laughs> i don't know if it was an alan smithy thing but his name is on the movie as a writer or at least as a novel writer but he's not credited as maybe he only directed like two scenes or something he's like oh what's this directing stuff all about i want to give it a shot i mean i would totally do that if i had I mean, a book yeah. to movie right if i had the opportunity to be like you know i'm michael Crichton in 1999 i'm at the height of my power in Hollywood, I'm going to use that to like have some fun, see what directing's like for a scene or two when it doesn't really matter. 100%. All right. So let me send you a description of this movie that you know nothing about so you can get a sense of maybe what it's about. <laughs> well maybe. phrased. All right. So it says, a Muslim ambassador exiled from his homeland, Ahmed Ibn Fadlan, finds Ibn himself- Fadlan. Ahmed Ibn Fadlan. Ibn? Ibn. Ibn. Son of. Okay. Okay. Finds himself in the company of Vikings. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> well, the behavior of the Norsemen initially offends Ibn Fadland. The more cultured outsider grows to respect the tough, if uncouth, warriors. During their travels together, Ibn Fadland and the Vikings get word of an ooh, this is really long evil presence closing in, and they must fight the frightening and formidable force, There's which was previously <laughs> thought to exist only in legend. That's wild. What is that? I don't even understand what I just read. Yeah, yeah. No, this this movie and book is all over the place. I believe this was Michael Crichton like doing a modern adaptation of Beowulf in some regard. 
Oh, okay. But I didn't get that from this movie. There's a lot <laughs> I didn't get from this movie. There's a lot you're not going to get from me from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. I it's going to be great. <laughs> so let's just dive right in because there's a lot to get through. None of it makes sense. And I, I kind of love it. So we open. It's a stormy sea. There's a Viking longboat being tossed about on an ocean that's roiling. And there's thunder and lightning. And we zoom in and there is a man huddled on the boat, not looking very happy. And it starts with narration. He introduces himself as Ahmed Ibn Fadlan. Who do you think you would get to play this Arabic man in the company of Vikings, Danielle, in 1999? I would hope an Arabic man, but oh, Danielle, it's 1999. You sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> it is none Gosh. other than Antonio Banderas. Oh, <laughs> I was like going through my 90s people. I was like, who is like darker yeah. skinned that's yeah. not Arabic? It's Antonio Banderas, who, in the grand tradition of Highlander, does nothing with his accent. <laughs> Have you? Um, I'm going to ask, have you ever seen Antonio Banderas in a role where he does something with his accent? No, not at all. And that's <laughs> kind of why it's great they picked him to play an Arabic man in the company of Vikings. Oh, man, the 90s were rough. <laughs> I know. So this movie has a very Highlander vibe to me. Like I associate with Highlander because as you'll see, it's about a warrior fighting supposedly kind of mystical things. And it's a man with no business having an accent like that among <laughs> these people. So it has, it checks those boxes Good for start. me. Good start. Good yeah. start. So it's, he's describing how he ended up here on this boat. We get a flashback to him living his life as a poet in a great city until he met a beautiful woman who was married to someone else and the jealous husband of that woman has the caliph make him an ambassador to the far northern lands as like an exile punishment for him canoodling with his wife. So he makes him an ambassador? Well, that's, that's like a form of exile. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna make you an ambassador to act like it's going to be a political move as opposed to just like a straight up exile because apparently he was well connected or something. It doesn't oh, make okay. any sense. <laughs> no, as long as it makes more sense if he was well connected. It's like, why doesn't he just exile him? But okay. I mean, it doesn't say that he's well connected. It just, he was a poet. That's the best we get about this. And he had a father <laughs> who is not in the picture, but he mentions it because he's exiled and he goes on this ambassador trip with a friend of his father who is an old, wise, learned man. And that's pretty much all we get about his life. Does the wise man come into play later? Very briefly. So it doesn't matter who plays him? No. I don't remember. Okay. I got, uh, Danielle, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know any of the other actors in this movie. <laughs> it's impressive. I know that some of them are, are pretty... Uh, I think Omar Sharif is in it, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I got one. <laughs> that's good. And I don't remember any other ones. There are a lot of Norse actors, which is great, I think. Because that's cool. They get actually Norsemen, but for the Arabic man, they get Antonio Banderas. So. <laughs> you know, close. Western Western culture, Daniel. <laughs> close, I mean, not at all. <laughs> no. So, uh, I mean, I think they're all good actors. It's not bad. For whatever reason, he was like the big name. It was like his tentpole movie. He was the one who was carrying the film as like the big named actor at this time. Everyone else is sort of incidental. All right. Antonio Banderas on a trek. So he spent some time just like naming, like, we traveled through this place, we traveled through that place, we traveled through that place. It's all very like Raiders of the Lost Ark with the map dashed line, <laughs> but it's more of a montage of camels in a desert. And I'm not sure, like, it's just like, why are we just naming random cities that you're passing through that we don't care about? Just so you know that they traveled really far. Yeah, basically. And then they're attacked by Tartars. So that happens. As one is. <laughs> so, so we go back and they're being attacked by Tartars. 
And I'm not sure this scene needs to exist, but it does. There's like a small group of horsemen who are like riding at this large caravan and yelling. And the caravan with Ahmed are like freaking out. And, and it's like, there's like 12 guys on horseback. Why are you so scared of them? <laughs> You're a giant caravan. <laughs> Presumably you have some guards on your merchant caravan. And they're like, no. And they run away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So just running away from the Tartars. And... They are chased into this gully, like a ravine, where there's this large stream in it. It's not quite a – it's like a river, I would call it a river, but it's not like a big, big river. It's a little stream. This becomes important in a moment. And the Tartars stop at the top of this ravine and don't follow them down into it. And they're like, wait, why do they all stop? And they look, and there's a Viking longboat rowing up the stream. Uh, yeah. Where are they? I don't know, Danielle. I don't know. <laughs> Where are all these things? There's a desert, and there's Tartars, and there's a Viking longboat. It looks like Colorado. I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't understand what, where in the world all of these things would exist at the same time. I mean, I don't know if the desert was the same place as the Tartars, because the Tartars chase them through like a grassy field. It it changes so quickly between locales (laughs) and like none of the none of the nature makes sense. Like none of the environments seem to make sense to me, but what do I know? Makes me feel better that they seem to be out of the desert, because that was very perplexing. No, they went through the desert. desert, and then were attacked by Tartars when they got towards the north, and they chased them into a stream where there are Vikings rowing up on this really very much too small river for a Viking longboat. <laughs> it's set in like our normal existence world? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. It's supposed to be like, like like Beowulf, like an epic where it takes place in our world at some ill-defined time in the not-too-distant past. Okay, because this is, this is hard. It's hard to be on board when there are Vikings and Tartars and deserts all in the same stretch oh of time. <laughs> Vikings and deserts and Tartars. Oh my. All right. Doesn't matter. Apparently, the Viking boat scared off the Tartars. Yeah. And so Ahmed's like, hey, who are those guys? And everyone in the caravan's like, just keep moving. They're dangerous. Don't talk to them. And Ahmed's <laughs> like, I'm an ambassador. I'm supposed to talk to people. I'm like, that's what? Read the room. Read the room, Ahmed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that supposed to be like what ambassadors do? Just talk to randos? Don't they have like a specific group of people they're supposed to talk to? Like a like a government or something? Yeah, I would think that he'd have some kind of specific quest he's supposed to be on. No, usually... that doesn't matter. He is no, not. Matter. No, he is just... He's ambassador to whoever you happen to run into on your travels. Does he know he's low-key exiled? Was that <laughs> yeah, apparent to him? <laughs> he seems to be taking this job very seriously. No, he knows his ambassadorship is, is just an excuse to get him away from the wife he was having an affair with. Well, which kind of, it's on him, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think he's entirely a victim in this circumstance. No, not at all. So anyway, we're barely 10 minutes into this film. Sorry, I got really <laughs> sidetracked by the Vikings in the desert. This, this film is very front-loaded. There's a lot of exposition that's going to happen in like the first 20 minutes, and then it gets really slow. We're just going to glaze right over all of that. Wonderful. I'll ask lots of questions at the beginning then. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Anyway, so later, it looks like night. They just wander up onto the Viking encampment, and nobody seems afraid of them. Okay. So there's like a bunch of Vikings encamped. You know, they got like tents and stuff set up, and the boats are moored, and Ahmed's like, oh, great let's go talk to them and she's like weren't you just all afraid of these guys 20 minutes ago 
or whatever how many hours it because it looks like it's gone dark i don't know the timeline they have an ambassador on their side they just realized they're fine it's just ahmed and his friend his dad's friend the old dude Mm -hmm. and so it's just those two so maybe they left the caravan to go find them if they did that's not clear it seems very dangerous yeah it is so they wander to the drinking hall full of vikings and they just go around asking them hey are you the king? Where's the leader guy? Are you the king? Do you know who the king is? <laughs> and of course, none of the Vikings speak, I'm guessing Arabic is what they're supposed to be talking, even though it's English because movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Thomas tells his friend, like, hey, try Greek. So he tries Greek and Greek works. Some guy there speaks Greek. So he switches to actual Greek in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how good Greek actually is because I don't speak Greek, but he is speaking something that sounds like Greek. <laughs> And so now we learn the reason this old guy is around. He is there to translate from Viking to Greek to Arabic to English. (laughs) Arabic slash English, I should say. Everybody needs a friend like that. So for whatever reason, one of the Vikings speaks Greek. He basically acts like a translator from the Norse language to the Greek, and then the old guy translates from Greek to Arabic. And this seems like a very convoluted way just to get these guys talking to Ahmed. Like, I don't understand why the movie had to make this so complicated. (laughs) They could have just all spoken English and we could have pretended it was whatever language it was. Well, yeah, but sometimes the old guy just understands the Viking language, apparently. Like he just said, <laughs> oh, yes, I see what they're doing over there, like without the other guy telling him. So he's like a universal translator that's kind of faulty, I guess. <laughs> Maybe he knows just enough of, like, languages to understand little pieces of other languages. Maybe. I I really did not pay too close attention to this part because it was all, like, gibberish languages and then here's the English. And it's like, I'm going to ignore the gibberish part, which is intentionally gibberish to us, and just focus on the part that actually I understand. Right. Anyway, so they learn that there's a big party because the king died. Oh, no. Well, I mean, like, he died gloriously or something. It's a big old drunken fest. And the heir apparent is there, and they're all having a party, and... They call for Ahmed to recite a poem for no reason? Sure, of course. It's like, hey, random stranger, recite a poem at our king's funeral. And everybody has one of those in their back pocket to pull out in case they come across a Viking funeral. Do they know that? Do they talk about? No. No. I'm sorry. They actually tell him to sing a song. And the old guy's like, well, I don't know. Sing him a song. Tell him a story. You're a poet, aren't you? Do a poem. It doesn't make (laughs) any sense. So this is the most confounding thing. Here's what he decides to recite. He recites the book of Genesis. Wait, what? Why? Yeah. He's yeah, a he's, poet. <laughs> he, yeah. He starts out by reciting, you know, in the beginning, there was, you know, void and God created earth or whatever, and it was, you know, buoyant and something, and he gets cut off because a fight breaks out. But <laughs> what a choice. What a choice to start reciting Genesis, like the Arabic Genesis, in front of a bunch of Vikings who don't speak your language. Yeah, that's, that's, why? <laughs> <I'm still laughs> I confused. don't know. But mercifully, his recitation is interrupted by a fight that breaks out between some of the Vikings and one of them just gets murdered by the other one. And so like, oh, look how savage these people all are. I'm sure the movie's trying to set up that these people are rough and tumble compared to our much more prim and proper palace boy in Ahmed. Is there like other religious overtones in this film? We'll get to that, Danielle. Oh, yes, we will. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I think part of this movie is trying to show like, Oh, it doesn't matter if you believe in the North Pantheon or the, you know, the monotheistic Western religion for all people kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it is so paper thin. <laughs> all right. So now it goes back to Ahmed. He's narrating again. He'll come in and out of narration kind of at random, which is weird. And he's like, oh, they had, they had a funeral pyre. And then there's a girl who is says something about, like, you know, joining their friends in Valhalla and that she's put on the boat and burned with the king on the funeral pyre. Oh, that's a Alive choice. on the boat. That's probably some kind of honor, I'd I, imagine. Yeah, 
I don't know if that's accurate to actual Viking customs or not, but they do it. I, again, I think they're trying to set up like, you know, the old, more brutal people right. versus the more civilized stuff. And then it cuts to another scene where after the funeral, another boat arrives. And this little boy, he's like 12, maybe 13. Is this another Viking boat? Yeah, another Viking longboat arrives. He just stands there and Ahmed's asking about this and he learns that the boy is standing there to let everyone see him so they can determine if he's real or not. And sometimes there are things in the mist and it's all very spooky. So he's Wait, being polite. So Ahmed's trying to figure out if he's real or not? No, no. Like the Vikings. Like the whole idea is it's like it's polite to like stand there and let you be seen. Uh-huh. So that everyone can like say, oh, yes, that boy is real. He's not a figment of the mists. Like the Vikings can accept him. <laughs> does, does this like happen a, a lot? That no. there are figments in the mist? No, it never happens. But what? Is that a thing? <laughs> we'll get to <laughs> I feel the like there's a lot of Viking lore that I just don't understand. No, I don't understand any of it. I don't know if it's again. I don't know how accurate any of this is. I don't. I'm not a scholar of ancient cultures. Much is less this Vikings. like a real like? How often in past, even if this is, oh, so pretend this is a real thing that this used to happen. Sure. Like how often in the past did you just like see things in the mists that weren't actually there to the point that you have a tradition that somebody has to stand there for a long time to be acknowledged in the mist? Danielle, again, I can't explain <laughs> it. There are things in the mist we'll get to later, but they're very much real and <laughs> kind of also not really in the mist. It's It's kind of stupid. Really selling this. Like, this movie is very atmospheric. Like, there's a lot of long, slow shots and tension building, and the conversation is actually pretty cool the way they talk to each other. Like, the dialogue is very not expositional, but kind of like alludes to things. Uh huh. But it doesn't make any sense when you think about it for more than five seconds. <laughs> okay. But it feels very cool, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, that counts for something, too. Okay, so there's a boy. He's boy standing in the there. Mist. He's being observed. And while that's happening, the Vikings are like doing their washing up routine, which is very gross, where they're like drinking and spitting into a bowl that they used to wash their face and like blowing snot into it. And <laughs> it's all just completely unnecessary. <laughs> Why would you tell me that? <laughs> because I had to watch it, Danielle, so you're going to hear gross. about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyway, the boy comes in and and he's a messenger. He's calling on the new chief, the new king who was just crowned to come help his father or his king, his lord, another Viking clan, defeat an ancient evil which has come to attack them. Does this little boy come with anybody else or is he just by himself? I mean, there was a long boat. I presume it wasn't just him rowing it by himself, but he's like the messenger. Okay. So he came with a bunch of people, but he's the messenger. That seems odd to send a 13-year-old off to like, I think he's to like give a message that important. I think he's the son of the king. Again, it's all done in this weird like game of telephone. So I'm not really sure what's what because like the he says something, it's translating, it's translated again. And then the guy makes a summary of that. And it's like, what? Okay. So bad, bad news bears, bad news coming. Well, they're not. You don't know how accurate your phrase "bad news bears" is in this movie, Danielle. Which (laughs) we'll get to. Are there bears in the mist? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. This is not like gorillas in the mist, Danielle. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right. Anyway, so... Let's get to the bears. Anyway, everyone is super scared of whatever this ancient evil is. They won't mention the name of it. And the king calls for an old witch woman, a oracle, to be brought to read the bones and advise them on what they should do. So the oracle casts the bones and she calls for 13 men to go and fight this evil. The 13th warrior? Is that the concept? Yes. But okay. it's the same as the number of months in a year, Danielle. That's why it's 13. 
Month in a year, sure. I mean, depends on your calendar. Probably a lunar calendar would be my guess, but yes. And so men around the camp start volunteering to go. Like one guy will stand up and say something in Norse. Everyone will cheer. And we don't know what they're saying because nobody translates anything. <laughs> and this is the point where I realize I'm not going to learn anybody's name in this movie, Danielle. <laughs> no. It no. sounds like you wouldn't. <laughs> I No, not because I couldn't try, but because they, this is where they introduce themselves here, all in Norse. And they, they give their names, or I'm sure like, I, whoever will go, but it's all in Nor- I don't know what their name is and when they're just speaking Norse languages. <laughs> and when they address each other, they very rarely address each other by name. They call each other like little brother or, you know, the Arab or whatever. And they don't really just say like their names a lot. So I had no idea who anyone's name is in this whole movie until the credits when I, when I read it. <laughs> it's okay. You can give them nicknames. I'm better with that anyway. You know that. It's okay because there's only like two Norsemen who actually matter in this group of 13. So I'm just going to call them by what they are. The chief dude, the king guy, obviously is going to go and fight. And <laughs> one of the other dudes. Um, doesn't matter. It's fine. It'll other dude. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll make sense, I promise. At least as much as anything else in this movie. Okay. So men around the camp start volunteering one by one. It takes a long time because they all stand up by one at a time and when they cheer and the old guy's like, that's seven and then eight. <laughs> oh, gosh. Real time 13 counting. It's exactly what's happening. <laughs> and it gets to the 12th and everyone sort of pauses and the Oracle declares that the 13th warrior must be no Norse man. Yeah, of course. Why not? And so obviously it's Ahmed. This Woo! random guy who wandered into this thing yesterday is the one who has to go fight this ancient evil. <laughs> Poor Antonio. He just shows up and, and is like, oh, yep, now you're on a battle. And <laughs> With the he's Vikings. pretty sanguine about this, actually. He's like, okay, guess I'll go. He just sort of goes with it. Well, he's an ambassador, you know. It's, he's meant to, to go help other people. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and so that's about it. He's like, okay, I guess I'm on this fight. And this is where old man exits the movie. <laughs> The end. Well, no, he's he's gone. Never hear from him again. He just leaves because Antonio Banderas, Ahmed, goes off on the adventure with the Vikings, and there's only 13 of them can go. His translator has to stay behind. Yeah, the 14th can't go. No one said it can't be more than 12 who could go, or 13 who could go, but apparently they just say, no, I think 13 is enough. So it's just the 13 of them. They don't have any like no. extra servants nope. or anything that's helping Nothing. them out. Just mm-hmm. them. Okay. And again, this makes no sense. And you might think that this number has some sort of significance that we'll find out later in the movie, Danielle. And I would be wrong. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> It just seems arbitrary, and I don't understand. Again, maybe the book makes more sense, but in the movie, there's 13 dudes, and like, why did you send a whole bunch more? You had a whole bunch of people there. I feel like Michael Crichton usually explains stuff relatively well, so there probably is a reason. I think so, too. Except in Sphere. That was a weird movie. (laughs) Weird book, Well, you know, everybody has a hit or miss moment. All right. So back to this Michael Crichton piece. They prepare to travel, and they're going by horse for some reason, because apparently boats are no longer chic. (laughs) Well, maybe it's just easier wherever... They're, maybe they're landlocked wherever they're no, going. No, because they'll be on a boat later. Remember, we opened this movie with him on a boat. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're going to ride horses to where they're going to get into a boat instead of just taking all the boats that are there along the... I don't understand this movie, Danielle. <laughs> some choices. Right. Maybe they needed the boats for the people there and they didn't have an extra spare one just to send off with what 13 about people the, who might the die. the messenger who came from the place they're going to on a boat? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they couldn't just go on the boat with the other people. Yeah, go on the boat with the messenger guy back to where he's living, like to his home that he just came from to get you. Uh, 
You're right. All good points. I don't know. I have an answer. <laughs> okay. So the Vikings decide horses are the way to go. And they leave Ahmed's friend. He's out translator. It's time for a travel montage. That lasts about 30 seconds. It's not a very long <laughs> montage. Doesn't have the map sequence again. No, I mean, in the sense that it's not a map sequence. It's just like overhead shots of horses riding through different scenery. And so then it starts to cut to a campfire where we see Ahmed is watching them talking. He's watching them intently and not speaking. And this clearly happens over the course of several nights, maybe several weeks. It's unclear how long this ride is. Mm -hmm. And Ahmed is learning their language. And this is actually pretty cool. I like this part of the movie because what it does is they'll be speaking Norse and then every now and then they'll throw an English word as they're talking. And then as the nights go on, there'll be more and more English words and fewer and fewer of the Norse words. Oh, to show that he's learning it? Yeah, to show that he's learning it and he's picking out more and more words as time goes on nice yeah so it's actually a really kind of fun and interesting way to have to show him more in their language so by the end are they all speaking english yeah but (laughs) everyone with different accents like antonio banderas is speaking with his accent which is not arabic (laughs) and they're speaking in norse accents english some of them better accents than others excellent so this is all fine until one of them insults ahmed just sort of casually like oh it's like his mother or something you know, like thinking he can't hear them. And Ahmed breaks in here. It's like, my mother was pure and from a noble family. And at least I know who my father is. And they're all like, ooh. <laughs> he learned the language. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And some are like upset, but the leader guy or one of the warriors clears like laughs and like says, hey, you learned our language. You're in the gang. You're one of us now kind of thing. And they're like ribbing him. And there's still some like friendly insults going back and forth. Man, I would fail at this. There's no way I would learn a language even remotely that fast. Yeah, I mean, again, it could have been seven months they were writing. It's unclear. I'm not sure it would matter. (laughs) I'm terrible at learning languages. Well, we all have our skills. (laughs) We do. So... A little bit later that night, one of the guys, I think it's the king, the king guy, the the chief, comes up to him and asks him to teach him to read and write. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know how to draw sounds. He's like, yes, I know how to draw sounds. I'm going to start thinking of it that way. That's so much more dramatic. I know, right? What a great way to say it. It's <laughs> a great way to say that. That's my new go-to. And so he asks Ahmed to draw him something in, you know, to show him how it works. And Ahmed writes in the dirt, there is only one God and Muhammad is his prophet. Because again, that seems like the appropriate thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. Don't start with a basic sentence. The cat jumped into the tree. Well, you also don't start with a proselytizing sentence among a group of people who clearly don't share your religion. (laughs) No, I agree. (laughs) And the guy just sort of stalks away without saying anything. It's not clear if he's offended or just like, okay, that's enough for today. But either way, I think Ahmed is not doing a good job of teaching. No, you think so? You got to fix something they're interested in. That Maybe maybe put that one in later, your religious yeah, yeah. overtones. Or maybe like don't try to cram in some <laughs> preaching with your language lessons. Let's do theology while that we learn language. That seems rude when you're traveling with a group of 12 men who are clearly much better warriors than you and <laughs> who are not every religion. It seems that at least politeness would dictate you not try to do everything to proclaim how much a religion is better than theirs or something. I agree. Bad choices, Ahmed. Yeah. Anyway, the next morning they insult his horse because the horse looks small. They call it a dog. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. It's kind of funny. Yeah, like who rides a dog in a battle? And Ahmed's like, oh, I'll show you. So he like rides the horse through an obstacle course really fast. Just like a nature optical course. Like he jumps over like a log or a fence. There's a farmhouse nearby for some reason. Uh-huh. And he like jumps through that. And he's like, everyone's like, oh, look at that horse. And he jumps over one of the guys. Like, oh, that jumps so well. Shows you. That dog can jump. And that's like, oh, he's like becoming part of the gang. You know, it's oh, more good. of that male bonding thing. I'm glad he's making friends. Yeah. 
Now we're back to the storm on the boat where we started. Whew. Wait, so how did they get to the boat? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> what? It doesn't tell you how they got to the boat? No, that scene just smash cuts to them on the boat in the rain. <laughs> is it like a cup? Like, is Does it go back to the horses again? Uh, Their horses are not on the boat that I can see, but they have them when they get to where they're going. Okay, so this is like actually in like a timeline like yeah. they, the next scene really is them on a boat it's the next scene like it doesn't show how they got to the boat they this just... is him finishing his backstory this is like you know remember i was showing the movie i narrating right now we're back up to where the movie started oh i just thought maybe they were like jumping ahead and then we're gonna jump back to the horses no. again no, no this is actually no. the next scene okay well yeah. you know they're on a boat yeah they're on a boat the horses aren't on the boat but they have the horses when they get to the island they're going to so again it's <laughs> magic like, horses no. They teleported, I guess. <laughs> maybe they shrink down and they can put them in their little pockets. <laughs> I, uh, maybe they were on the boat. And I couldn't see them. Again, it's rainy. It's stormy. There's thunder and lightning. It's all very chaotic. Ahmed is seasick. The horses probably are too. I, I can imagine a horse does not enjoy boats. No, it seems. I, I would think not. Not their natural state. So then it cuts away from the storm and now it's calm and misty and cold. And everyone has like frost in their beard. Except for Ahmed who is clean shaven. And to find the shore... They start shooting flaming arrows into the mist and listening for the of the arrow being extinguished by the water. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Although I don't know how well flaming arrows actually work because I think, I mean, I've never tried this, but I believe if you try to shoot an arrow, it just goes out because of the strength of the wind of the yeah. arrow flying through air. But don't they, they use them in a lot of movies. I have no idea if that's yeah, like a real life thing. Yeah, there's a lot of movies, Danielle. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's anything remotely true. I just said that. I don't I don't know if it's true, but it is like flaming arrows are used in a lot of well, movies. They, maybe they're a real thing. Maybe, maybe if they like have to have something really specific on the end of your arrow for it to work. Which seems like it would, would affect how accurate and how well the arrow flies. And like this giant cloth dipped in sap or whatever wrapped sure, around the end of your arrow. But maybe it's just like, hey, I have to learn how to shoot those specific arrows. All right. Well, maybe okay, someone well, who anyway, knows about yeah, maybe just, a weapon you can educate us. I just thought it was kind of goofy. <laughs> it is goofy. I agree. I don't... I, but it's an interesting concept. I like the idea no, of it. No, I think it was really cool how they were trying to like find the shore. It just struck me as it'd be just as easy to throw like torches or whatever over the side of the boat. <laughs> you don't have to use an arrow. <laughs> throw a rock and see if it lands. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, why waste your arrows on this? Little catapults. <laughs> a little mini catapult, yes. <laughs> so they land on the shore and they come up. They're all getting their horses together and everything. And while Ahmed is tacking up his horse, the king guy comes up and like, here, let me show you what I've learned. And he starts writing the sentence about, you know, there is only one God, Muhammad, is his prophet in the dirt. Uh -huh. And he makes like a little mistake that Muhammad corrects. He's like, that's very good. And he just walks away. <laughs> is that the weirdest lessons? <laughs> I'm not sure there's a, there's a point to any of this. Like, I don't know why he's learning to read and write. I don't know if this is going to come into a play somewhere in the movie or why anyone cares about any of this. It's just, it's so weird that there are all these little vignettes that don't seem to go anywhere in this movie. But you do know because you watch the movie no i'm telling you Daniel, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you watched the whole movie you still don't know no i don't know what the point of any of this is <laughs> and so one of the other warriors gives ahmed a big sword it's like oh you're with us now here's a sword and i was like it's too heavy and the guy's like yeah grow stronger <laughs> you're a funny guy i like you <laughs> And so they come across a scout from the, the kingdom they're going to who encounters them on the beach. And he's like, oh, yeah, come with me. I'll escort you to the king. He's expecting you. So the boy, the messenger, like went back on his boat, I assume. Maybe. We never see him again. <laughs> so I'm so 
so confused why they didn't just take the boats back with the other people. Danielle, this is what I said literally so long ago. Like, why did they just take the boat with the messenger on it? It seems like it'd be much faster and easier than horses to boat to horses again. And they have to know where this is. For some reason, they seem to know exactly where this other group All, of yeah, people live. Yeah, these 13 live. guys just know how to get there, apparently. Yeah. Which maybe it was part of the conversation afterwards. Okay, you're going to traverse through the forest and there's going to be... This well, little, they like- know the clan. Like, they know the guy. I, I assume it's one of the, the clan leaders. So maybe they know about, like, where all the people are in their in their kingdom. Or sure. Whatever. But it still seems like a pretty far trip. So I'm surprised that they... It, anyway, it doesn't weeks, matter. Maybe months. I don't know, Danielle. But again, <laughs> boats. They exist and are underutilized. And then they get there and everybody's dead because it took them seven yeah. weeks to get there. At least I can say these are not sky boats, Danielle. <laughs> ah, funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of shots in this movie, these long sort of slow shots of them just riding through scenery. And yeah, it does a very good job of sort of building atmosphere, but it's not very interesting. So they approach this village and they comment about how it's so undefended. There are no walls, no trenches, no moats. And there are scarcely any men of fighting age, just women and children. And I'm like, oh, that'll come into play later. You think? Doesn't. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> the fact that there are no men is irrelevant. The, Maybe they're wait. all being killed or something. It's unclear. <laughs> then why even have it part of the story? Uh, you know, to make it so that these 13 guys are more important, I guess. I guess the king sent for help. And he's like, oh, you only sent 13 guys to help defend my entire village, my entire town? Well, we have no one, so I guess that's something. Do they have any men in this town? Yes. Okay. Kind of. I was just kind of curious where the kid came from then. <laughs> they have like women and children. There are men. It's just kind of like they just come and how like none of them are a fighting age, but then a bunch of them fight later. So it's, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they all died. Maybe there's a prequel to this movie. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> Explains all of this stuff. So they go to meet the king of the village. He's in this big meeting hall, but it's all leaky and there's a puddle in the middle of the floor. It's clearly very run down. The king also has a daughter who is irrelevant, so I won't mention her again. Uh... <laughs> I actually wrote in my notes, I'll assume she'll come into this later as like a romantic interest. She doesn't. <laughs> this movie's just throwing away stuff. Uh, you have no idea. This is like real life. It's like all the things that happen in real life that mean absolutely nothing later. It kind <laughs> of is. I don't talk about that. But yeah, this is exactly what's happening. The movie's like, here, here's this whole stuff. It's just like to build scenery. It's set dressing. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. So the king is old and the chief guy who came with the Viking band is like, what's wrong? And he leans in very close, like whispers his ear and the king sort of whispers something back and it just cuts to the group talking outside about like what they heard from the king. Bears in the fog? Kind of. <laughs> there is supposed to be some great evil that no one has seen for many years has been ravaging this group, this kingdom, this town, whatever you want to call it. So that's where all the men went, I assume. That's where I assume they went to, but they don't mention that. They don't say like they've killed the men or that they've run out of fighting people. They just Maybe they just figured it was implied. Yeah, I guess. A lot of this movie does a lot of indirect, like, I kind of like I said, like I said, the dialogue, how they don't just go and exposit things, mm-hmm. but a lot is left unsaid that could help clarify what the heck is going on sometimes. Like, it yeah. sometimes goes too far. That's an interesting choice also with a movie that has a voice over. Yeah, they have a narrator. The narrator is not helpful. <laughs> uh, so they're talking about the ancient evil. They won't name it. And this is when Ahmed sees a bloody boy screaming, running through a field towards the village. And they run out and they're like, who is this? And one of the women from the town identifies him as coming from a farmstead, not too far. And so they go out to investigate. And they go to this farm that's deep in the woods. What about like the boy? Where'd, where'd yeah, the boy he's go? passed off to one of the 
other village okay. women to be taken care <laughs> like, of. Like, did he ever get to the town? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they went to find the boy and they say, who is this kid? And the woman's like, oh yeah, I know this kid. He's from a farm I town. I thought Let she me... just identified him from far away as he was no, running through no, the no. field. <laughs> they, they run and get him. They're not like monsters. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if the movie showed that. This movie is not showing everything, okay? That's, you know what? That's a fair point, Danielle. I'll try to be clear about what it is it isn't showing. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Although I'm not clear on that myself after having watched it. <laughs> so they go to this farm shed deep in the woods, which strikes me as not a great place for a farm if you're surrounded up to the rafters and trees. Like, there's no farmland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it's actually – maybe it's just a translation issue. No, because he's speaking Norse now. Well, maybe it's translation issue for us. Okay, Danielle. We don't understand that farmstead means treehouse or whatever. House in woods. Cabin. Cabin. Got there. <laughs> it took me a while, Danielle. I'm having translation issues myself. So they're at this cabin farm. And so a couple of them kind of sneak in and look around. And clearly it's been attacked. There are holes in the walls and there's like a body on the roof. <laughs> okay. And they go inside once they get the all clear and it's disgusting in there. There's blood everywhere. There are people like hanging from the rafters that are like flayed open. Mm. And Ahmed like picks up an arm that is severed and like goes outside and vomits. Why did he pick it up? Well, it was like underneath the blanket. So he's like lifting the arm to see who was under the blanket. And it was just an arm. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he goes like and vomits. And they see like, these weird mysterious footprints outside that look like claw marks. And they're chatting about how the boy escaped. And we see a shadowy figure in the woods that kind of looks like the predator and like mm. hisses like. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, could you do that again? I missed it. Nope. You can listen back to the episode, Danielle. <laughs> and Ahmed notes that the body seemed to have been gnawed upon. And Kissing the Viking replies, it is said they eat the dead. Which, like, yeah, we all eat dead things, dude. <laughs> I mean, not many of us, like, wolf down a live chicken. That's true. So I think that's, like, not very helpful. I think it's also funny. It's like, so yeah. is, is this thing, like, killing for evil reasons or killing for food? Both. Okay, because it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a lot of, of appetite to kill whatever, 10, so 15 people. They call these the eaters of the dead. But again, I find it to be a very inaccurate description because I, most things we eat are dead. And they <laughs> were just cannibals eaters of or the like dead. Yeah. people eaters or something. So it's, I, I don't know why they're like, had this be cute about the dead being human dead as opposed to, you know, any other kind of dead. Like, and it'd be worse if they ate them alive, I think. So, yes, you know, that's true. I'm kind of on, I feel like this is not as awful as it's like made out to be in terms of like, oh, they eat the dead. Oh, they eat dead things. How gross. I'm like, no, what? I liked your vaguely Scottish accent. Oh, uh, it wasn't intentional, but you know, whatever. <laughs> So the creatures are finally going to name, and they're called like the Vendel or Wendel, depending on who's talking. Uh-huh. And one of the Vikings finds a figurine that they're all like, ah, oh, hiss, I don't like that thing. It's a representation of like the mother of the Vendel. And it's that fertility goddess figurine, you know, the very voluptuous woman sometimes called like the Venus yeah. figurine. And I'm like, what? So they're saying that the, the, the things, the creatures, the people, the whatever that eat the, the dead. Yeah. yeah. They're they're like more sentient than just like an animal. No, they're they're smart, and this they, is like their mother that they worship, like the okay. mother, like the other. And again, I don't know why they picked this particular figurine. I think it was just a like, oh, that looks cool choice. <laughs> Maybe they figured you wouldn't think that hard about it. I mean, that's exactly and they were wrong. They <laughs> no, they were absolutely. Wrong. They haven't met me, Daniel. They don't know what I'm capable of overthinking. They didn't realize that 20 years later, there was going to be a podcast about it. Man, if they, if they could have predicted that, they could have made a lot of money. 
Anyway, so they look at the thing. Ahmed isn't so put off by it. He puts it in his pocket because he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Is that going to come into play later? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Just seems like an odd thing to do and not come into play. <laughs> so you know what doesn't come into play later? You know that shadowy figure that was watching them from the trees? No. That made the hissing noise for? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, just, he wanders off. He's, he's like, okay, I'm out. Bye. Really? It's yeah, gonna come up leaves. at all. Nope, he just sort of watches it for a bit and then leaves. Like, well, I see what I need to see. I'm out of here. This movie is amazing. How right? does it just it's so irrationally just throws things away? It does so little with so little. If that makes it like it has so much in it, but it does so little with the little that actually matters. It's, this is crazy. I've never seen a movie have so many things that don't lead anywhere. It's it's remarkable, Danielle. How little like nothing in this movie is important. Yeah. It, it, it sort of like undercuts the whole epic nature. And I'll talk about this later at the end when I get to the ending. But like, this is supposed to be like a big epic, like Beowulf or this band of warriors who are feeding some ancient evil type thing. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of feels like not, since there's so much inconsequential fluff around everything else. Like, oh, no, this really matters, right? Yeah, this is impressive. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> and so the Vikings are heading back, realize they're being watched and hunted by the Vendel. And I guess they figured it out because they saw the guy sneaking around in the trees or something. Uh-huh. And they're like, okay, we're just being watched. So be ready for them to attack because they attack with the mist. And that's where the mist comes in. But that doesn't explain why they attacked the farmhouse just now with well, no why mist. why not? Was there mist that evening, maybe? Well, the point was like the, the bloody kid comes screaming through the uh, field. I assume he didn't just like wait to come out there. I assume he came right from the farmhouse. Maybe he hang out for a couple hours what after if he all did? his family like, was slaughtered. Well, I mean, what if he like didn't feel like he hid and then he was waiting okay. to see if they left after the mist left? Okay. You know what? I, I apologize I for this movie. Yeah. This part makes sense, movie. You got me there. I, I, everything you've ever done, movie. Uh, forget about me criticizing your lack of boat usage. You've got me. <laughs> There's one scene I think could be explained is all I'm saying. You know what? Fair enough. I'm too hard on the movie. <laughs> So that night, they're at dinner with the king and the group, and everyone's sitting there, and the uh, leader of the 13 gets into like a little sniping match with the king's son, the older son. They're like, oh, you're so brave. Like, oh, I've only heard that you're a weakling. You know, they kind of like those kind of insults at each other. Uh-huh. That's what you do with the group that's come to help you with the evil. Yeah. And the older prince is kind of a dick. And then there's like, yeah, he's kind of a dick. And since some old dude starts regaling them with stories about the Vendel, like, back in my day, we had to fight them off. And there was the flame worm that came out what? with the mists. There's like a dragon or something that attacked with them or something. It's all very much like, oh, there are dragons and mysterious creatures. And you gotta be wary of the Vendel. Does that come out later? Flame worms? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> I feel like everything you're saying, I need to know if it comes back later now. <laughs> Danielle, it, mm, it's so hard to know. Because <laughs> I don't even know what's worth telling you about later when I get to it sometimes. I, I don't want to keep asking this question, but now I'm like intrigued if all these things matter or not. It's really, it's really hard to know. <laughs> and so the 13 decide to... S- so keep watch that night to set up and guard against the Vendel attacking that night because I think they're going to attack because they were watching them from the trees. And the king's like, okay, we'll help you. Like, no, you got to guard the women and children in case they get past us. And like, all right. And so they all hunker down in the main hall, the 13, and they all sleep in a circle. They go to bed. So they're really doing a good job keeping watch <laughs> by going to sleep. There's not a single person that stays up? Nope. Not one. <laughs> what kind of guarding is that? I don't 
no. And then uh, Ahmed wakes up in a start in the middle of the night and he's hearing like things sneaking around outside. And Which the they would have Vikings- caught if one of them was awake. <laughs> Exactly. You would have thought that you're keeping watch involved, you know, watching. <laughs> but no, Ahmed's the one who wakes up in a start, and one of the other Vikings wakes up too, and he's like, oh, okay, be prepared. When they break in, we're all going to get into a circle or backs to each other and fight them off, right? He's like, oh, okay. that's a pretty good tactic. And so the Vendel burst in, and immediately that whole tactic's gone. Because <laughs> this movie makes fight scenes that are incomprehensible. <laughs> It's just swords flailing, people stabbing, some blood splatter. That whole circle idea that he talked about doesn't happen. (laughs) What if the thing jumped in the middle of their circle? Well, you have to get through them. I know, but what if it like dropped down from the sky into the middle of their circle? Then that Vendel deserves a medal. (laughs) I just was thinking, like, that would be kind of funny if all of them are like in a circle and then it just drops into the middle and like it slashes its way through them. You know, Danielle, they didn't think about that. They're clearly (laughs) flawless with their tactical prowess. It doesn't matter. They don't use those tactics anyway. Okay, so bloody battle. And so it looks like these creatures are like bears. They have like bear heads and bear claws. Yay, hissing bears. Bears, right? Yes. And again, the fight scenes are kind of hard to make out. They're they're dark. Everything's very dark in the fight scenes, I think probably to hide the effects. <laughs> you know, it's choice. Thereof. And things are like shaky and cut a lot. There are some really nice silhouette things they do, but for the most part, it's just, I don't know what's going on in the fight scenes. I won't get into too much too deeply, but Ahmed gets slashed across the face with claws. Oh no. Does he turn into a bear? Yes, Daniel. It's a werebear. No. What? I don't know what these creatures do. We have no information on them. Yes, Daniel. So, so immediately jump to werebear. That's the first thing <laughs> yeah, I would think of. I know. Like, If you get clawed by an animal in a slightly fantastical movie, I feel like there's a small chance you may turn into that animal. No, it does not happen. Okay, that's good, I guess. But what does happen is one of the Vikings gets his head clean ripped off. Oh no, now they're 12 warriors. Twisted and ripped off. They're going to be 10. uh, Oh, now they're 10 warriors. Two two died. 11 warriors. (laughs) Yeah, I can count good. I mean, I'm not really counting Ahmed because he's kind of useless. But (laughs) But he is the 13th warrior. Yeah. So... I mean, that was cool. Like, head just clean, ripped off. At this point, I'm thinking, like, why are there 13 of them? Why is that number so important if just, like, a couple of them can die and it's not a big deal? Yeah, that's weird. You think that there are 13 would remain for a while for some mystical reason. Right. You know, it's not like the the woman, the the oracle predicting you need 13 and one of them has to be a not a Norse man in order to defeat this ancient evil. Oh, but a couple of them just die. Like, you shouldn't need those guys anyway. <laughs> just kidding. You needed 10. <laughs> well, you'll get a lot fewer than that by the time this movie is over. I figured. The whole premise doesn't seem to hold up at this moment to me. I'm like, oh, I, the whole number thing doesn't matter because they just die in a casual way. You know, maybe she like ran the numbers in her head and went through all the different pathways of how this could end. And oh. they needed at least 13 warriors because there had to be at least one left at the end. And in the worst case scenario, it would kill okay. 12 of the 13. <laughs> Great. Okay, so she did like the Doctor Strange from the Avengers yes. Infinity War thing. Like, oh, I've seen yes. <laughs> 17 million futures, and in all of them, you had at least 13 warriors, and one of them has to be Antonio Banderas. Yes. Great. You know what? Solve this movie, Danielle. <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm here? <laughs> Marvel stole that from 13th Warrior. You owe them some money, Marvel. Uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad that we were having this discussion, because... This movie makes a lot more sense now that I've listened to it and have to tell you what was going on. I'm so glad you're here to explain this movie to me, Danielle, even though I watched it. (laughs) You just need an outsider perspective. Yeah, that's what I need. Anyway, they fight off the Vendel. They they leave for some reason. It's not really clear that they were losing. They just leave and they do that a lot. They just leave even though they're winning. 
<laughs> the Vendals. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, eh. I'm done. I'm tired. Let's go. So I wrote in my notes here that the Vendor look really fake because they look like dudes in bear suits. And that's <laughs> foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> what? Really? So anyway, after the Vikings are sort of cleaning up, they say that two were killed and their heads are gone because apparently the Vendor take the heads of their slain and they take all the bodies. So there are no dead Vendor left for them to see. So okay. very mysterious. Ooh. So you have to carry off the bodies where their demons and their bodies evaporated. Yes. I know what my money's on. <laughs> uh, demons. Yes. That's what the uh, Vikings think. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the Viking side. So it cuts the next morning, and Ahmed's wound is being administered by a pretty Viking woman who's sassy when Ahmed objects to getting the disinfectant of cow urine applied to his face. Oh, go figure. I know, right? He's like, boil down cow urine, don't use that. So it's like, well, when tomorrow the pus runs, you'll be regretting that decision. And he's like, okay, fine, put cow urine on my face. I wonder if that really worked. I mean, it has ammonia in it. That's kind of a disinfectant. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, someone who knows about cow urine, write in, tell us. <laughs> Please. Please do, actually. And she's clearly the new love interest for Ahmed. Yes, I figured. Or maybe not, because, you know, this movie just throws people away. Boy, Danielle, you're really foreshadowing that here. (laughs) Oh, no. Poor lady. So now there's a montage of the Vikings, like the 13 guys, or I guess the 11 now, helping them build, like, barricades and digging trenches and putting spikes in those trenches. It's very, like, Seven Samurai, where they're, like, ready in the village for being defended against the Vendel attack. That they think is coming, because apparently the one that happened last night was just a practice. <laughs> How would you know that? They don't. They just figure that, oh, I guess they just attacked and left, and they're going to come back to... Like, the Vendel's tactics make no sense. They could have overrun this village at any time, but they're like, mm, we're going to wait until they put up all these defenses and make it a challenge. Yeah, why did they not put up these defenses earlier? They seem to have known at least days, weeks, months ago when they sent for help that yeah. they were eventually going to be attacked. Do you think they'd have done something? I guess they needed the help of uh, the 13 what? warriors. No, there's people that live in the city. They could have done it. <laughs> I know. This is, again, at least like in Seven Samurai, they have actually like their farmers. They don't know what the heck they're doing to like accept defenses. These guys are like, no, we're Vikings. But we'll let someone else come and tell us how to do it. But they know how to like find food and stuff. Like I assume they have people who go, you know, kill squirrels or whatever. So like there's there's got to be a way to... No, 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 I'm saying it doesn't make sense. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm yeah, saying but- in Seven Samurai, it makes sense because the whole like, culture is set up differently. Right. But I just feel like this, and I, I know you agree with me. However, like, <laughs> so arguing, even, Danielle. even if these people have like no skill set towards any of that, they can still dig a hole in the ground, you know? I tell you, Danielle, I don't know. But they are clearly just waiting for the 13 to get there before they do anything. And apparently the Vendel never attacked like en masse. Which is before the 13 warriors got there. Well, you know, it was destined time, according Something to the like witch. That. All right, we really got to get through this. We're not even halfway. <laughs> Sorry, did you? So oh, many questions. <laughs> so they're building these trenches, they're digging holes. Ahmed is like trying to use his giant sword to like cut stakes, to cut points on stakes, but he can't really do it. So he goes over to like a blacksmith's shop and he grinds the sword down into a scimitar. Mm-hmm. And when he's like very good, he like swing it around like, oh, like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I'm so good at the scimitar. He's like very impressive. <laughs> Although the Viking's like, ha, that's so small. Can I give it to my daughter when you're done with it? And they're like, I'll ribbon him and have him fun. But he's clearly much more comfortable with the scimitar and quite deadly with it. And that's a fun little scene. Let's move on. <laughs> This movie does that a lot. Like, here's a fun little scene. It doesn't mean anything. Let's go. Well, it shows that he's skilled with something. 
Yeah, it's true. He isn't completely useless. So the woman that had administered Ahmed comes back to check on him and they talk for a little bit and they have a little moment. Then she warns him that the prince is poisoning the king's ear, telling him that the Viking group that came plans to usurp him and like take over. (laughs) The help that they requested is going to take over their kingdom. Yeah, he's like, once they're done, you know, saving the kingdom, they're going to like stay like, oh, I guess we're in charge now kind of thing. Why would they do that? That's dumb. Uh, Well, you know what, Danielle? That's this movie. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) At this point, after Ahmed tells this to the rest of the group, one of the Viking groups decides, hey, I know how to nip this problem in the bud. And he picks a fight with a giant member of the local Vikings, like one of the prince's friends. Mm -hmm. He's this big guy and they have a duel. How does this resolve the problem? We'll get to that, Danielle. Okay. I actually wrote in my notes, this plan was somehow meant to deal with the prince. I, I I, I didn't know where it was going. <laughs> Same issue I have. They're fighting. Our Viking friend is getting his butt kicked by the big dude. His shield is getting broken. He's getting worn down. And just as he's about to be killed, like the prince gives a nod to like behead him, like finish it. He does a little spin move and kills the big guy. And it's clear that he was just toying with him, that he could have killed him anytime. He was the better warrior. Mm-hmm. And they explained to Ahmed that they did this to show the prince that he's just thinking about them in terms of strength. He's just calculating strengths. Now he has to calculate the unknowns about their other skills they have. It's not just a matter of strength. He has to think about their skills and their cunning. And that's supposed to like make him less concerned. wary of them. Yeah. So what? <laughs> He already thinks that they're going to, like, take over his kingdom. I don't know how this is supposed to help him go. Nope, nope, they're not. Well, I think it's not supposed to make him think they're not going to take over the kingdom. They're trying to make him think, like, maybe I shouldn't challenge these guys so much or be so aggressive towards them. I'll have to wait before attacking them or something. Yeah, I get the concept. I'm not sure that's the best choice. Oh, I agree, Danielle. It's ludicrous. (laughs) So later, the mists rise and Ahmed looks out on the fields in the mist and he and another scout are looking out there and they see this red line coming down the mountain so it's the uh, dragon the fireworm Ooh. <laughs> only it's not because it's just a bunch of guys with torches matching oh, them so sad. that was my first thought and then you said it was a fireworm and i got more excited no it's not it's and torches. then i was disappointed again <laughs> so the fireworm the dragon that was all hyped up earlier is just a bunch of dudes with torches so good job movie i'm making us disappointed <laughs> So the fireworm, did that actually exist in the past? Who knows? I don't know, Danielle. I don't know if it was an actual dragon that, like, I want to see that story. I want (laughs) to see that movie about the actual dragon, if there was an actual dragon, not the bunch of torch-bearing dudes that people think are a dragon. Yeah, this is crazy. This movie, this movie's wild, man. Yeah, it really, it takes no, no (laughs) opportunity to not disappoint. (laughs) So everyone scrambles and gets the defenses in place. And Ahmed sees there's a little girl out in the middle of the field who was left behind for some reason. <laughs> and so he takes his horse out there and he runs out there and he grabs the girl. And that's when he sees that it's just torches and, and men, not an actual you know, dragon, and brings her back. And he was like, hey, it's just people. Hey, everybody, it's just people. <laughs> it's like, it's just the Vendel. It's not an actual dragon. And they all brace for the attack. And the Vendel charge by. And they like throw spears and torches and arrows into the Viking defenses. And the Vikings shoot arrows back. And some of their Viking warriors are killed immediately. So talk a few more down off that 13 number that aren't important. <laughs> Again, there are 13 so that there are enough warriors to get right, to the I end of this movie. You need, you need like a buffer. You need like a few extras just in case. Like a bigger exactly. dozen. <laughs> I just explained why there are 13, Sam. Keep up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I still didn't understand it in my notes. That's why it's in here. <laughs> So Ahmed faces another of the Vendel down, but this time he's kind of badass with his sword because it's a scimitar and knows what he's doing. And he sees that there's actually a face under the bear hood. It's just a man in a bear costume. Ah, psych. They're not actual monsters. They're just men in bear suits who are cannibals. (laughs) (laughs) 
Big reveal. That's like the big Shyamalan twist of this one. <laughs> spoiler alert, everybody, belatedly. <laughs> no, it's not a spoiler. That's like what he learned this moment in the movie. <laughs> Just saying, if they're watching this and didn't want to be spoiled by the end of this movie, too late. No, this doesn't spoil the end of the movie, Danielle. You learn <laughs> that they're not monsters right here in the middle of the movie. <laughs> Though you kind of think that they might have questioned that when they saw them coming down the mountain with torches. Maybe they thought they were monsters who like to wield torches, Danielle. <laughs> they're I don't like, oh, here come the bears, everybody. They're bear. It's like minotaurs. Like a minotaur would carry a torch too, even though it's part of a bull, part bull. So it's like, oh, they're bearitars or whatever. <laughs> and that's a bear. That's a that's a bear uh, bull combo. But you get my drift. <laughs> Bear and a mini bear. Maybe a mini bear. That's true. It might have been. <laughs> anyway, crack ourselves up. So, uh, well, someone should laugh at our <laughs> stupid jokes. Saying it might as well be us. <laughs> so Ahmed kind of goes berserk after seeing this. He's like, oh, they're just people. They're just men. And he goes like freaking out, sort of like stabbing them and like attacking them. This is quite the con. I mean, they take their dead so that nobody ever knows. Yeah, that's costumes. why they do like, that. Good job. Yeah, they kept it up for, you know, centuries. Yeah, they're probably crazy because they've been eating human flesh all this time. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And while this fight scene has some cool silhouettes, again, it's all just a huddled mess. And then the Vendel retreat, they like blow a horn, they all leave. Again, they were winning and the whole village is burning, but they're like, nah, I think that's enough. We should go for it. Now they've had enough. <laughs> they're just, they're just the weirdest just like, bad guys. Vendel out. We're done here. <laughs> And they have like Ahmed a timer. Is, it goes off. They're like, oh, oh, 18 minutes. Oh, Gotta go. My go, pie's go, in go. the oven. I have to go back and get the pie. Get the pie, everybody. To the mountain for the pie. <laughs> it's really stupid. I don't understand it. <laughs> they could they could win here. They could end this. But like, nah, we're, we're going we're gonna to wait. But they seem to like to draw this stuff out. Maybe. I mean, murder's their, their game. Maybe there just aren't that many villages near them. And so this is kind of like one of the last ones. They're just enjoying the fun. Fair enough. And so this is kind of hilarious. Ahmed is still freaking out, like berserking while they're running away, while the while the Vendor are leaving. So he chases after them and like trips and falls to this giant mud puddle and then gets up, like swinging his sword around, like, rah, 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 rah. And no one's around him. They're like ignoring him. And he's just swinging his sword like an idiot around. It's pretty funny. So after the battle, Ahmed is sitting with one of his companions and the Viking woman. And they're talking about like, oh, the village is burning. More, four more of the 13 are dead. So we've lost six so far. That's nearly half. Guess they weren't that important. <laughs> and then the, after his companion goes to do something, the woman stands next to Ahmed's like, we'll die here. And Ahmed's like, yeah, probably. And <laughs> like, so she takes him by the hand and they go have sex in a barn. Well, you might as well if you're about to die. Right. And it's a really gross, leaky barn with like wet hay. And like, that can't be nice. <laughs> not the place you would have chosen. No, not at all. And that's pretty much the end of her story. She hasn't come back? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this movie, it's killing me. (laughs) (laughs) It's great, right? (laughs) Why? Uh, so the next morning, they discuss attacking the Vendel because like, hey, we should take the fight to them. Since they know they're people now, they must have a place like a lair where they sleep and they can attack them and, and they're not just demons. They would have known that just from them coming down the hill with torches. <laughs> yeah, you think that, Danielle, but apparently they needed Ahmed to confirm that they're just people or something. <laughs> well, even, even if they, they weren't people, like you just go, okay, they've clearly got some place they're coming from because they have torches and they're coming down the hill. I don't know, Danielle. Maybe they thought there were demons who just apparated there or whatever. With their torches coming down a hill. They didn't just apparate outside the city. They walked into the city so they could be seen. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Continue. 
Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So they go to consult another old witch woman before attacking the vendor. Like, well, let's see if this oracle can give us any tips. They're just like oracles all over the place. Yeah. So this is where that statue he picked up of the goddess figurine no, comes back the into play. The one thing that like, comes back in this film. She's like, do you have anything of there so I can tell you about them? She's like, oh, yeah, here's this thing. She's like, okay, I can tell you about them. And that's it. <laughs> And she tells them, you have to kill the mother of the Vendel and their military leader guy with the big horns, and that will break their will and defeat them. So apparently, Vendel killed two of their people, and the rest of us give up. <laughs> what? They're like bees or something? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're basically like ants or bees. Kill the queen and the leader, and suddenly the Vendel are like, no, well, I guess we're done. <laughs> they don't have like a second in charge that nope. could be like take over. Apparently not. They don't understand hierarchies. <laughs> this is the, that's the worst bad guy plan. <laughs> They're so bad. They're so bad. There's no plan B, only plan A. <laughs> so with that helpful info, they just sort of ride out and like, okay, let's go find the Vendel and see what we can do about this. <laughs> just following their tracks, like randomly, no plan. Oh my gosh, this movie. And so as they're riding, Ahmed has like a house slash Sherlock Holmes kind of moment. He's like, claws, bear skulls. They want us to think they're bears. They must live in caves. <laughs> Okay. Because how do you hunt a bear in winter? You go to their cave. We must find the cave of the Vendel because they want us to think they're bears. And they live like bears. And bears, but they could bears, just bears, live bears, in bears. a village somewhere. <laughs> or they could just live in caves. Like, why do they, people can live in caves, Danielle? That's not a thing. <laughs> but anyway, this is apparently some giant revelation that, oh, they live in caves, which is very convenient because they happen to find a cave just a few moments later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they just stumble upon a cave, like, oh, let's go in that cave. And so they sneak into a cave and they kill the guards standing outside the cave. And the cave is very obvious. Like, there's a bridge and a rope bridge and a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Like, oh, it's a cave that's like very obviously where people are living because they've built structures and there's people guarding it in the bear costumes. They were doing so well until now. <laughs> so it's like, did no one from the village ever think to go to this mountain and just look for the Vendel? It's like, oh, look, there's a village in the caves that is living here. It's, it's nonsense. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So they go in there and they sneak through this cave and they ditch their armor because it's clanking around and they're sneaking, sneaking, sneaking. It's this massive cave network. I don't know how they're not completely lost because what? It's like a dark cave and yet somehow they can navigate it just fine. It's huge. No, you'd be immediately lost. Absolutely. And eventually they stumble across a giant statue of the fertility goddess and she's surrounded by bones and skulls, like thousands piled up in pillars and things like this. I also have a question about the bears. Where are they getting all these bears from? Good question danielle i don't know like why are there so many bears that they bear could cost- all maybe have a bear like, costume maybe they're like faux bear costumes maybe they like sew together rabbit pelts or whatever sure okay you know what? i'm willing to go with that artisanal bear costume makers <laughs> and they i don't know have little bone fake bones for their teeth and okay they cosplay as bears they're cosplay enthusiasts <laughs> that's really what this movie's about this is my bear cosplay i'm a cannibal bear well i'm a cannibal but i'm cosplaying as a bear <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm willing to go with that. Continue. Doesn't matter. Uh, so after some more sneaking around, they jump a waterfall. It's all very boring. They find a small group of Vendel chatting around a fire, like chanting and like praying. And they're like, okay. Are they wearing their bear costumes? No. Okay. They're wearing like witch doctor outfits. It's kind of offensive again. <laughs> <laughs> This movie seems to lean into that. Yeah. It's very much like, ooh, those are like the worst stereotypes of native peoples here, guys. <laughs> and anyway, so they're they're around a fire, they're chanting, and then Vegas like, okay, let's attack this group for whatever reason. Like they figure these are the ones we should attack. <laughs> and so they attack them, and one of the Vikings yells to the king, the chief Viking warrior guy, Go, go kill the mother, because apparently they think she's around here somewhere, and they're right. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> Why would she be here? 
I don't know, but she is. And so the king, Viking guy, he goes off into this cave that has like all the heads of their fallen enemies strung up in the cave. Like uh-huh. he sees the previous heads that the Vendel took from the other warriors strung up there and it's all very spooky. And he sees the mother who's like crouching over a bowl with one of her priests and he has like a snake around her neck just for ambiance, I guess. Yeah, of course, as one does. He strikes down the priest with her really quickly and then she dips like a talon she's holding in the poison is like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> And they fight, and he stabs her and, like, cuts her head off, but she manages to stab him with the poison talon in the shoulder. So, Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, looks like he's poisoned. That's not good. Yeah, you know, it won't really slow him down. And so he stumbles back out where his friends have already killed off all the other Vendel. He's like, oh, it's done. Let's get out of here. And they can't escape up because a Vendel are coming, so they go back deeper into the cave, which seems like a good plan to escape. (laughs) The caves that are their natural habitat that they've lived in. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And they don't even know if there's an entrance or an exit anywhere they're going. (laughs) It's the worst idea ever. I'm surprised these guys haven't died out long ago. Right? So one of the the Viking guys is like, wounded. He's like, leave me. I'll I'll hold them off. Does that whole sacrifice thing. And Ahmed's like, you're a brave man. And goes and like, no, he's dead. Another one gone. (laughs) Another one bites to dust. Good thing there's 13 or were. Yeah, exactly. Good thing they had enough, Danielle. You're so right. They brought just (laughs) enough. I told you. <laughs> they hit a dead end where the water, they've been following this like river, goes underneath the rocks and they're like, well, it's a dead end. What do we do now? We'll just have to make our last stand. And Ahmed's like, do you hear that? It's waves crashing outside. It sounds like thunder. We can swim for it. And so their plan is to swim under the cave rock and hope they can find an exit. And oh, this is legitimately not okay with me because I don't like that. Like it's like a phobia almost of like, I don't want to dive into a bunch of water where I don't know if I'm going to like surface and breathe again. Yeah, I have that exact same feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's super. It I can't super watch gay movies. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, it's very much like <laughs> it was bad. But you know, fortunately, they managed to see clearly in this dark lightless cave they can navigate just fine and they have their eyes open even though it's presumably salt water if it's the sea and they make their way out just fine they pop up in the sea totally safe yeah you can't open your eyes in salt water for that long no, no at all but they do and they make it and they're fine either that or they just sort of swam blindly and somehow made it it doesn't make any sense <laughs> well good job it's because they're faded that must be it so they make it back to the king's hall, but their leader is dying from the poison, obviously. He asks Ahmed to write his story because that would make him very wealthy to be remembered. And Ahmed's like, okay, you got it, dude. So they talk again of the Wendell coming back tonight for vengeance because they killed the mother, but not the leader. So they're not yet defeated. You've only done 50% of the job. Apparently killing half of their <laughs> ruling class isn't enough to stop. They must kill both of them and then they're instantly defeated. What happens now that they killed the mother? Like Nothing. They just are coming back for vengeance it makes no difference <laughs> <laughs> then what is it why did they even have to kill her to begin with why didn't they just go after the king because they had to kill the mother and the leader to break their spirit that's like the idea here that's right i forgot it was a spirit thing not like their spirit like their mystical spirit like their will no i knew i know what you meant <laughs> okay well i mean i could be meaning both this movie's like that yeah it's true that's true thank you for clarifying so they shut their defenses again and the mists roll in and then the rain starts the whole thing and the wendell approach and then first ahmed prays to allah and then he joins in the viking as they make their battle prayer about like joining their families in valhalla so it's like oh the melding of the religions and the cultures how nice This movie is so weird with its religious, yeah. Yeah, it's super tacked on. It's not really like earned in any way. It feels just kind of like, oh, oh yeah, we're going to make this religious acceptance movie, kind of, but not. 
odd choice. So the poison chief then stumbles out to stand with his men for one last battle. And he stands in the middle of the field where the charging vendor are coming. It's ready for the last battle. And it's a slow-mo battle. Yay! But not like good slow-mo. It's like clearly they just slow down the frame rate so it looks <laughs> kind of choppy at times. And so it's a bunch of nonsense where like, I don't know what's going on again, because it's cut really fast and things are happening. But eventually the poison chief manages to face off against the Vendel leader and he kills him. And instantly the Vendel retreat. Done. Gone. <laughs> They're like, oh, nope, we got to go back, you guys. This, is, this isn't good. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a video game. You've killed the leader. Game over. You win. <laughs> Despite clearly having overwhelming numbers and all of them being killed, like they're killing the Vikings, no problem. They're like, oh, they killed our two important people. Time to give up. Spirit. Spirit's broken, Sam. Spirit's broken. That's right. And so the chief then dies after defeating the Vendel leader, and they give him a Viking funeral. And that cuts to later. Ahmed is leaving on the boat, and he's saying goodbye as he sails back south. Apparently, he's done with his ambassadorship. I don't know. (laughs) His ambassadorship to who? The Vikings? (laughs) Again, wasn't clear. And it crosses off to him writing the story, and that's where the narration is. And he's saying that we should praise those Northmen, even if they're heathens, because they seem pretty cool and they gave me food and stuff. Roll credits. So he's going back to the city he was basically banned from. Or something. I don't know. He goes somewhere and he's writing down the story of the Vikings. So this whole thing is that. So you remember his love interest? She never comes back. She's gone. This is... Remember the evil <laughs> prince and all his machinations? Gone. Doesn't gone. matter. Doesn't, irrelevant. He <laughs> saw them kill that one big dude. He's like, no, nah, I guess they're cool. <laughs> I don't understand this movie at all. <laughs> the whole political plot is completely dropped. It doesn't have anything to do with this movie. It's completely irrelevant. And also, I, I take issue with the title of this movie because it's called The 13th Warrior. And The 13th Warrior is clearly Ahmed. But he does, like, nothing through this movie. Yeah, it seems like it would it would make it seem like he's a pivotal part of of, of saving this group of people and no. he seems to have done nothing towards that. The Viking king, the leader guy who came with the group of 13, he kills both the mother and the chieftain, like the, the evil leader. He does all the killing. Ahmed doesn't even set up the defenses. Like, that's all the plan of the other Vikings. He's just sort of there along for the ride as like a documentarian. <laughs> What an odd And like, oh, the story. 13th warrior. You gotta send a move. You gotta send where North Northman can be the 13th warrior because we need someone who's not North because of why? Like, the whole premise is so nonsense. Like, why need 13 in the first place? I don't know. Why'd it have to send Ahmed? Like, why is he at all necessary for these Vikings to defeat them? I mean, he had one or two ideas about like, oh, the, the Wendell are men, but they would have figured that out anyway when they got the bodies. I wonder if the book makes more sense. I mean, it might. I would hope so, because this movie is nonsense. Yeah. And then... During the credits, I finally got to see the names of all the characters. And next to all like the 13 characters, except for the, the main king dude, they have like traits in parentheses. It says like, <laughs> their name, bracket, joyful, bracket, silent, bracket, dour, bracket, fat, bracket, archer, boy, why, superstitious, musician, quarrelsome. It's like they all had these like traits, like the 13th so warriors were supposed to represent knew. these traits. But they, even they knew you weren't going to remember any of the characters' names. Well, it's not even the names. It's, I think it's more like these are supposed to represent like this be avatars. Like you need the like you need the <laughs> joyful man. You need the dour man. You need the musician. You need like these powers of the people who can make the 13th warriors that are necessary to defeat the great evil. The, but that does not come through at all. I was going to say their skills don't seem to matter. 
matter. Yeah, they don't matter at all. You never get any of those personality traits from them. Like, there's one guy who is joyful. Like, the joyful guy, he's always laughing and cheering, and I get him. Like, he is definitely, but it just comes across as like a guy who's just like a really eager Viking. It doesn't come across <laughs> as like a, you know, personification of joy that's necessary to defeat evil. Sounds like a children's book. The most eager Viking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most eager Viking just wants to lop off the head of his enemies. <laughs> So the whole framework of this movie is so – doesn't work at all. The fact that you need 13 of them, the fact that Ahmed is one of them, the fact that there's supposed to be like roles they fit into in the group dynamic but are immediately killed off. And I don't remember like, did they kill off the quarrel someone first? Did they kill off the archer first? Does it matter? I don't know. <laughs> but I got none of that until I saw the credits. Yeah. Wow. So – this movie is is quite the thing. It was entirely pointless, I feel like. <laughs> Point, the most pointless of movies. It, it kind of feels that way. Like, it's supposed to be this big epic about, like, you know, defeating a great ancient evil, like, you know, in the style of Beowulf or whatever. But when you think about it, like, what happens if they didn't defeat the evil? Like, that small town in the north gets destroyed? Yeah, it doesn't... I and mean, that's it? not at least from what you said, there didn't seem to be any, like, greater motivation from these evil creatures. No, and, like, maybe those guys suffer a bit, which is not... I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying, like, the stakes aren't world-ending, you know, evil dragon ravaging the planet-style stakes, or even, like, ravaging multiple kingdoms. Like, this one village is destroyed is pretty much all I get from this. Right. <laughs> which, again, it's not nothing, but it's also not, like, the stuff giant legends are made of that are passed down through history. So your recap does not make me want to watch the movie, but I do actually want to read the book because <laughs> I'm, I'm quite curious if like the book is just a bigger thing. It's not a bad movie, Danielle. It's a fun movie. And it's got a lot of atmosphere, but but you have to go into it accepting that it doesn't make any sense. You have to sort of ignore the premise and just sort of accept like the lush scenery and the battles and the fun accents. Right. And I totally got that from your retelling. But it in terms of plot, I'm just curious how much more of it is possibly in the book. If you want to be like baffled by this, you should read the Amazon reviews for this movie because they are <laughs> like overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> really? They are glowing. They are – I was just looking up the description here. You know, as soon as I saw the reviews and they were like, this is the best movie ever. It's a sleeper hit. It's uh, underappreciated in its time. It's like, what? <laughs> maybe you just didn't understand it, Sam. You know, maybe I'm too stupid to figure this movie out. <laughs> now, maybe all of its higher themes and intricate workings and deep lore go over my head, Danielle. But to me, it was a bunch of characters who were irrelevant that get tossed away immediately, and then like a couple of people who don't do a lot, and the guy who I was really interested in, the Viking King, the one who does all this stuff, is not the one we spend most of the time with. It's all Ahmed. I wanted to see a movie about the Viking King dude leading his band in defense of his village, but it's not even his village, it's some other dude's village. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I feel bad I don't know. for you. <laughs> Why? I mean I had fun watching it, but boy, it is this movie made no sense. Like, half the ideas they introduced in the movie just go nowhere. Yeah, that's amazing to me. I've, Like I said, I've never seen a movie it's that just It's worth watching just away. to see yeah. how little all the stuff they introduced in the movie actually is. Like, they're trying to build, like, a world. Like, it's like a world building, like, trying to build mythology, but it just ends up as being, like, irrelevant. Because they immediately dismantle that mythology because they're not evil monsters. They're just cave people. Which is actually kind of an interesting concept, but it doesn't sound like they played with it quite enough. Right. I mean, that's more interesting. Like having a, a, a group of superstitious people in fear of this mythical enemy that's been attacking them for millennia and that they don't go to the mountain because they're afraid of it or whatever. And then it takes this outsider without their superstition to come in and show them, no, these aren't evil. They're just regular people and you don't need to fear them so much. But that doesn't happen. Right. Well, another lost opportunity. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Read the book, Danielle. Tell me if it makes any more sense. I kind of kind of might. <laughs> if anyone out there has read The 13th Warrior or seen the movie and understands it better than I do, definitely write into us. Tell us. Explain to me what the significance of any of the stuff that I maybe didn't understand. Like, again, my knowledge of Viking history, of Viking lore is paltry. So there are probably insights that can be given to me that would explain some of the choices this movie made. Absolutely. And we're fine with spoilers on the book. So feel free. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bring them on. So if you have any of those things, you can definitely send them to us at bookretorts.com. Or you can tweet at us, Instagram, Facebook us at bookretorts. Yeah. So I look forward to maybe understanding this movie a, a bit more or, or maybe not. We'll see. And I look forward to Sam understanding this movie a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not even going to try to. And okay, I'll report cool. back if I read the book. <laughs> Please do. If you if you read the book, I want to hear like a full report about, hey, all the stuff you didn't understand the, in the movie, here's how it makes sense. Or more likely, you know all the stuff you don't understand in the movie? I don't get it either. The book doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help. doesn't make sense in the book. It's all a lie. <laughs> or it's completely different in the book. They, they do a whole different thing. That's actually quite possible. That happens sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, until next time, bye. Take care, everybody. Hello, and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media with your friends who probably don't know what you're talking about. It is. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for the confirmation, Danielle. <laughs> your hello was very enthusiastic. I liked it. <laughs> you want me to be less enthusiastic with my hello? It was great. It was great. <laughs>